Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination. From our world to the far off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, Please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll with Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins sometime during the night of the 6th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, as our heroes stand at the precipice of victory or defeat. Now, before we dive right in, Let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? So I'm doing National Novel Writing Month, and I have been thinking about authors that I admire, or that I have really enjoyed. And... I have read Madeline Langle's Wrinkle in Time, I want to say series. Honestly, I've only read the first three books multiple times. The other ones, like Many Waters and I can't remember what the other one is, have maybe only read once. But I really enjoy her writing. So I was looking up a little bit about her today, and it turns out she promoted Christian universalism. When I was younger, I didn't really pick up on the religious overtones in the book. But that aside, the interesting thing about this is Many Christian bookstores wouldn't care her work because she promoted Christian universalism, which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is basically the idea that like, everybody will eventually be saved. And then her secular critics criticized her books for being too religious. So it was like she must have been felt very between a rock and a hard place, which I think is interesting. But the other interesting thing that I learned while reading about her is that she was largely influenced by George MacDonald, who was like a Scottish preacher, priest, something, guy who does sermons in the 1800s, who also heavily influenced C.S. Lewis, who I also love. So that's interesting. Anyway, I'm going to take a plus one for that because I, I think it's interesting. So I learned a little bit about all leaves this week for work-related reasons <laughs> and i learned about the chemicals that make all leaves the colors that they are and to preface the different chemical names which i will botch they're always there they just make their appearance when the trees stop producing chlorophyll which i knew that part but yeah happy fall but the the chemicals are, you know, obviously chlorophyll makes them green. And then there are lavanoids or flavonoids. I don't know. So when, anyway, they turn the leaves a yellow color. And the same thing with carotenoids, which turn them orange. 
those are present in a lot of different vegetation. But the one that I found the most interesting is Anthocyanus. Cyanus? Nins? Antho. Anyway, the red one, the red the thing that makes the leaves red. That compound is actually created by the plant in seasons where there isn't enough moisture to get all of the sugar out of their like storage, like so they could hibernate for the winter. So they produce that chemical that actually turns the leaves red to like get all the extra sugar out, like through their veins that has not been able to come out if there has been like low precipitation. So in seasons where it's really wet, there are less red trees. And in seasons leading up to fall that are really dry, there are more red leaves. So we've had a really wet introduction to autumn here. And there are lots of golds and oranges, not a lot of reds, I realized. So I will take a plus two because the child in me would. And I find this to be like a fact that we learn like when we're kids that we don't realize how amazing the chemical compounds of the world working together are until we get older. So I will take a plus two. So me and my nerdiness just learned that there's a company called Half Dive that made what they're calling the Half Dive VR headset. So for anyone that cares about like virtual reality, one of my favorite animes is the first season of Sword Art Online, and I'm waiting for the day that Full Drive is a thing. So it's very exciting that there's a company that they've actually released a first VR headset that you play laying down, which has a lot of implications. And they've got a bunch of future plans where they're going to add modules that will add other senses to it. But it's different than the Oculus because you, instead of controlling most of your character movements with a controller, supposedly it's going to use feet pads. So you have like little pads on your feet uh, and your hands uh, will have like a... I forget what it's exactly called, but it's a glove that'll replicate touching things. I'm just going to take a plus one because that's just, I'm excited about the world of VR. And when I'm 80 years old and can't move my body to play video games, I can still do that. So I was interested to see that during the Irish potato famine, it was a pretty horrible time for Ireland. And in 1847, the Choctaw people sent about $170 to Ireland to help with the famine. $170 in today's money is about five grand. They sent that having recently been deplaced or moved from their homeland on the Trail of Tears, which is a horrible thing that happened. And learned today that Ireland and the Choctaw people still have a pretty strong relationship and they've helped them get through the COVID-19 struggles that the tribe has had so i don't know but that was pretty cool and i'm gonna take a plus one for that you love that people helping people i think that's super cool because i mean i feel like so many things nowadays we'd be like oh whatever you know that was so long ago is this gonna cost us money let's not invest in it we were grateful then we'll say thank you but you know I don't know. I'm just super impressed that, like, they keep the relationship going and actually care about it. All right. Well, I have a fact about sharks because we're fighting a shark monster, and I felt like, oh, this is a good fact. Approximately 30%-ish, we don't really know for sure, of sharks lay eggs, and only about 30% of those eggs actually hatch, which feels strange to me. It feels like if you would bother laying eggs you would make them more 
likely to hatch, but they don't. So yeah, yeah, that's my fact. It's not that good, but I think I'm gonna take a plus one because sharks are cool, except when they're trying to eat us. Well, let's see what you roll. Man, there goes my good roll for today. I got a 20. Ooh, I got 15. Five plus two, so seven for me. Got a 13. A solid three. Hey everyone, my name's Corey. I play Kalina Floros, who is a human fighter, who is an ex-soldier from the Thalran army. Hi, my name's Ali. I'm playing Maya Volta, a human cleric of Cain, who is currently a ghost. And I'm going to cheat and tell you one more thing about Madeline Langle. Her first book, A Wrinkle in Time, was rejected 26 times before she found a publisher that would publish it. So if you're feeling down, just know that maybe people just haven't recognized your greatness yet. Anyway, I cheated. I shouldn't have added that fact, and I apologize. But I just thought that that was another one of those great stories where persistence pays off. I don't think I've ever been that persistent for anything ever. Oh no, after like the first five, I would just be like, okay, fine, nobody wants to read my masterpiece. I guess it's bad. Yeah, I guess it's not good. Anyway, I'm Emmy, I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She's a half-elf monk, and she likes to stop and smell the roses and would really like to get out of this cave. I am Disco, and I play Alice, the radiant Genasi druid of the Half-Moon Circle, who is a former witch's familiar. Looks like he's made of glass. And a walking, talking magic mirror. Hey, world. It's Carlos here, and I play Marcus Evander as Scout from the Talaran Army. And hopefully, I don't die. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. Freed from Quintil's possession... Timaeus's battered and broken form lays upon the cold stone floor of the Temple of Kugosa, in this squalid sea cave. His chest rises and falls with ragged breaths as your titanic struggle wages around him. Marcus, clutching the fang of Kugosa and channeling the power of your patron into it, you closed the distance to Quintal, with a breakneck speed, bonus action dash. Charging him with the sharp tooth blade thrust forward, you intended to end it once and for all with one decisive blow. But as you drove the blade towards Quintal's form, your intended result was not to be. Narrowly missing Quintal with your strike, he reached out and grasped your arm, disarming you of the blade. He sought earlier to find, with a vicious smile, upon his face. This belongs to me. He looks out towards your companions, his gaze lingering on Maya before he locks eyes with you once more, Marcus. All your struggles have been for naught. Your blood shall usher in the rebirth of my master. He grips the fang of Kugosa, Quintal's form glowing with a baleful radiance. His source of power, his anchor, returned to him. It bolsters his spectral form, giving it more substance and strength. He raises it above his head in his right hand, his left hand still firmly locked onto your wrist as you struggle to pull away. The fang of Kugosa reaches its zenith. 
Quintal preparing his next strike, intent on burying it into Marcus's neck and ending him once and for all. Alice, it's your turn. Maya, you're waiting in the wings. I'm going to wild shape into a horse, and I'm going to rush over and grab Marcus away from Quintal on the horse. So you want to rush him and, like, grab the back of Marcus's tunic with your teeth and do a strength check to try and rip him back? Just for, like, transformation's sake, is it possible since when I become an animal, I, like, shrink into a puddle of liquid glass and come out as the form of the animal? If I could do that in, like, one swift motion, like, picking him up, that makes sense. I really love this idea, and I don't want to say no, but Alice needs the full movement speed of the horse to reach Marcus, because he's 55 feet away. So Alice, having a normal movement speed of only 30 feet, would only let him move that far before he wild-shaped, and then he could move the rest of the way. So unfortunately, he won't be able to wild-shape under Marcus. With no pun intended, X-naying this plan. (laughs) Beautiful. Alice lifts up his hand, and in his moment of panic for Marcus's life, he reflects back onto the journey into the path that Stamatis had taken him to, and I am going to reflexively create a silent image and the silent image is going to appear in front of Quintal and it is going to be the image of his two parents as if they're reaching through a gateway into the afterlife to welcome him into the heavens to cross over with proud looks on their face how does this gate look? What does it see? Like, I know this image is silent, but what does Quintal see from his perspective? He's probably the only person that actually can see this. Marcus has his back to this gate. Maya is probably standing off to the side of it. And all of your companions are going to see the back side of this gate, whatever it is. So it's going to actually look like the exit to the cave where it's kind of heavenly and blessed in its look. But you can see his two parents proud, their arms outstretched, reaching forward for him, and the slight movement of a calm ocean behind them, much more bright and full of life than the one, the type of water that we have seen before, just dark and, and uh, ominous. And that is what he sees. And then for my bonus action, for Moonlight Illusionist with Minor Illusion, I'll make the sound of their voices kind of beckoning him cross over. We're so proud of We don't want to see you in the darkness anymore. You don't belong there. You belong in the light with us. And to be free of this. We're so proud. As this forms, as these voices start to call out to him, as this manifestation is created, he at first looks 
confused. And what is your spell save, DC? 14. Noted for his future turn, Maya, as this heavenly gate, as these two individuals beckon to him, as their voices fill and echo throughout this cavern, as this look of confusion crosses over his face for a brief moment, what do you do? So I am slowly going to begin moving to Quintal. And as I do, I am going to hold out a hand towards Marcus. And Maya will say, Hi, King. Protect Marcus with the shield of your power, such that blows may fly from them rather than to them. And it honestly looks like nothing happens. But if... Marcus is attacked, then a shield of white light will interpose itself between Marcus and the attacker, and depending on whether or not the attacker makes the save, the weapon will or will not go through the shield. And that's my bonus action. It's Sanctuary. And then Maya is going to resettle that hand that she had outstretched towards Marcus onto her great axe, and actually got good grip on it in both hands, and she's going to look at Quintal and say, and her intention is sort of to menace him towards the gate. You are a blight upon the people of this island, a blight upon the world. By Cain, I swear I will end this. Your power will be no more. I will not allow you to continue to manipulate people for your master's horrible plans. Your name is written in the lady's book. So many have suffered. The suffering stops now. And as she says the suffering stops now, she raises her axe and she's going to attempt to bring it down on him. And after all that drama, I really hope this doesn't miss because that'd be lame. Oh no. It's not very good. Brace yourselves, everybody. 13. This will barely hit. Oh, thank goodness. Where are you attacking him? I think Maya would go right for the neck really wants to put an end to it not just maim him so that'll be nine necrotic damage and that is the end of Maya's turn your blade comes singing down slicing through Quintal but as you are a spirit so is he and the blade seems to have little if no effect on him oh he looks towards the illusion that has been crafted. And there is this moment where he is staggered. The blade remains hanging above his head, prepared to come down, as if for a moment he perhaps does believe that these are his parents. Sylvie, it's your turn. I'm gonna use all of my movement to move as close as I can get, but that still leaves me five feet away from being able to hit them. If you have a ranged attack, you could use it. I'm going to try and hit him with this wooden dagger that I picked up after Marcus got knocked unconscious. I'm trying to hit him with the dagger. Are you aiming for Quintal? Yes. Who else would I aim for? That makes me nervous. 18 to hit? That will most assuredly hit. It's five piercing damage with special dagger. As your dagger flies through the air, we'll move to Kalina's turn. Kalina would like to run as close as she can towards Quintal, 
and then I'll see if I can do this. Uh, what I would like to do is I would like to draw my dagger and throw it at the Fang of Kikosa to try and knock it out of his hand, if I can do that. Please make your attack. Okay. Ugh, that's 11. What's going on with their relationship thing that Maya put together where you can add the D4? I don't know if you guys are remembering. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, let me add that because I forgot about that. That'll put it up to 15. Good roll on that D4. Thank you, Josh. Public defender, me. Keep forgetting we have that bond. So you just hit the Fang of Kugosa's AC. Oh, good lord. Small dagger. Makes sense, though. Roll damage. All right, well, it is a dagger, and I get seven points of piercing damage. Quintal, his face, as he sees each of you charging towards him, he begins to steal himself, recognizing that this is just a delay tactic. He begins to bring his dagger down as the dagger that Sylvie throws, the heartwood dagger, flies through him not phasing his form at all, but as his dagger is about to strike into Marcus's neck, Kalina's dagger will collide with it, shattering the fragile fang of Kagosa. There is a tremor, a quake. Immediately, the hand that is holding Marcus... Marcus, your arm phases straight through it. You probably just drop to the ground where you are. Quintal stumbles back, his face filled with confusion and rage. His very form almost seeming to fade in and out briefly. But he looks to you. All of you will pay the ultimate price. Kugosa, my master... I call upon you, Master, feed, Master, destroy. You shall still rise. Kugosa will still rise. And as if beckoned by its very name, a tendril snakes forth from the hole in the ground. But this tendril is not severed by Alice's magic. For he focuses upon the illusion. And as this tendril begins to reach towards Marcus, it wraps around Quintal's ankle. He lets out a cry. No. No, master. I have not failed you. No. We can still succeed. As it begins to drag his spectral form towards the hole, his face turning from rage to fear. His eyes, one last time, lock with yours, Maya. Help me! And he is pulled into darkness. Kagosa's magic, no longer directed by Quintal's mind, begins to fracture. And with it, the caves around you quake. You may have stopped his rise, but if you don't escape, you will be buried here. What will you do? Will any of you carry the unconscious Timaeus? Will any of you recover Maya's body? I'll grab Maya's body. Plato would also kind of rush in that same direction without thinking. 
Can I send my familiar to pick up the, the dagger that Sylvie threw? Yes, you can. Wonderful. Then I will also wild shape into a riding horse and grab Manus' body. Have it slung over my body, hopefully by somebody. Sylvie would help. Sylvie would help. Maya totally would have rushed over to, to Maeus and like tried to pick him up and then been like, oh, right up, ghost. And then be very relieved to have help. I will come trotting over my galloping. And yes, I am a beautiful white stag-like horse with like a braided mane. And be like, don't worry, Maya. I am here to help. Why do I sound like that as a horse? What is going on? <laughs> so pompous. Well, it's great because all they can hear is you neighing. They're bright, right? Yeah. <laughs> but at least you sound that regal in your own head. <laughs> Let us establish an order in which you are fleeing. Who will be at the front? I mean, I move 60 feet. I don't know if anyone's movement speed's higher than mine. I think Maya would want to take up the rear. If things are collapsing, she can pass through things and isn't as likely to be injured as everybody else, so... Sylvie would be very keen to get out of the cave before it collapses, so I think she would be as closely behind Alice as she could be. And you're slinging both Maya and Timaeus across Alice? Yes, I was about to ask everyone, put them both on me. Yeah, that feels like something we would do once Alice was a horse. Yeah, I was curious if we would have enough time for that, because me and Marcus gotta like grab her body up from where I dropped it. And then Alice can go very fast, but will Alice go slow enough that people can make sure that Maya and Timaeus don't fall off? Do you doubt the balance of mine as a horse? He's doing a lot of neighing. A crack runs through the ceiling of the room. Dust is coming down. Make your decisions. We have to hurry. Maybe if if somebody, if one on either side of Alice, and, and we can stop the bodies from falling off as as we tr make our escape. Okay, sounds good. Let's just get out of here. Yes, please. Nay. So is it Marcus and then Kalina or Kalina and then Marcus? Kalina can go on ahead. Marcus will be right behind her. Sounds good to me. Behind you, as you take one glance back into this temple, you see the tendrils of Kugosa reaching up through the hole, lashing up about the room. Luckily, none finding purchase towards you, but where they smash the walls, they crack and begin to break. The glowing gem in the roof that gave a green, baleful radiance to this room fractures as it does and a large block of stone collapses down. You flee upwards through the tunnel and burst out into the cavern containing pools of brackish, stagnant water. You have two choices. Towards the sea caves that dropped the jagged rocks in the open ocean, or up the tunnel towards the base of the sea guide and the hole through the tree you came through. What? Do you choose? We'll die on the rocks. The the lighthouse thing, it, it was here before the fake house. Maybe it will still stand. Just, just pick a direction and go. What direction is Alice going? Uh. Maya is going to, with as much volume as her ghostly lungs can manage, say, 
I think we should get to the sea guide. Horse Alice is following Maya's lead. He thought honestly that we should go towards the rocks and the blood moon and jump into the ocean, but he's following Maya's lead as a ghostly apparition. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope I'm not leading us in the wrong direction, but I feel like jagged rocks are. Sylvie also was like, man, we could probably live through the jump into the ocean, but. <laughs> oh no, if we all die, I'm gonna feel so awful. We've survived this far. What a what a the moon rock crack. What about the point? Let's just who cares? Pulling ourselves into the ocean. If I may, I feel like cast symbolically is gonna make the the lighthouse crumble into the ocean as a symbol. But you know, let's do it. Let's go. I mean, if you think about it, we just survived a god of death. <laughs> Some rocks. Well, Maya's the only one here that can make a decision, so let's just go the way Maya said. As Maya bellows this, as there's the confusion, as you freeze for a brief moment, you see the cavern that heads towards the open ocean, towards the cave mouth from which you saw the blood moons converging, and there is a crack that runs through the earth there. And a chunk of stone comes smashing down over that exit. You truly do only have one option of escape. Okay, listen to Maya, or nay, rather, let's go. You scramble up the narrow tunnel towards the base of the sea guide and the tunnel beneath the tree. But first, you'll need to clear this slippery, narrow space. Can I please have an acrobatics check from each of you? Would you like one from Maya as well? No, you're a ghost. Yes, ghost for the win. 25. I had a 21. I have a straight 15 because I get no bonuses. <laughs> 16. As you scramble upwards, the slick walls, fractures running through them, dust coming down, seeking out your eyes, you blink back tears as you burst out into the chamber beneath the tree. As you stand there for a brief moment, there's a light, and you see what you at first think is the form of Quintal. He stands at the base of the hole, but as he turns, the half-burned face becomes visible. It is Stamanus. Quickly, we have opened the way through the lighthouse for you. Go! And he points to the portal at the base of the sea guide. Its surface undulating like black, glassy water. Two more spectral shapes. Mariana. Aleki. They hold the gate open for you. Will you go? Or will you climb? Horse runs straight through portal. Sylvie follows. Kalina will also follow. As Maya swiftly floats through, she'll utter a very heartfelt thank you to the three of them. They grit their teeth, barely getting out a word as they struggle. As you throw yourself through the portal, you are plunged into a pitch-black room. Alice and Sylvie, you can both see a familiar room around you. The familiar secret room in the basement. But your companions as Maya is bringing up the rear, are plunged into pitch darkness. They are blind. 
You can see a large hole smashed in the false wall, likely where the creature came through earlier today, that leads into the moldy storage room. Maya is probably a few moments behind you, but will you help your companions as they scramble in the dark? What will you do? Well, I'm a horse, so I will neigh and breathe hardly in the direction that they should follow me. Was Kalina following closely enough behind Alice to, like, touch him? Sylvie, you were probably right on Alice's tail, and Kalina was a little bit behind you, maybe. On my tail? Out. (laughs) Now that we're (laughs) literally on Alice's tail, now that we're out of the cavern, Sylvie's going to pause for a second and grab... I mean, probably they both react to being blind, right? I would assume that they stumble into the room, and if either of you have stopped moving, probably run into you. Yeah, Clayton would have been dead bolting, so probably would have crashed into anyone that stopped. (laughs) Into the horse they go. All right, well, so we will grab both of their hands and lead them towards Alice. As you grab both of their hands and you begin to lead them towards Alice, Maya's ball of light comes through illuminating this area. With this light, you're able to run. You're able to charge. You charge through the basement, the ground cracking. You can see that the foundation for the fairy sea guide seems to even be cracking in places, though it does not seem as badly damaged. You see a rent cut through the floor. Alice, how good are horses and stairs? Um, how are horses on stairs? I don't know. They got long legs. I'm Googling. Horses are capable of climbing stairs as long as they have shallow and wide steps that aren't too slippery or steep. I think it's cows that can't do stairs. So it depends on how big these stairs are up, are going up. Alice, can you give me another acrobatics check? This is for keeping your balance and ensuring that you don't stumble. That is an 11. You make it about halfway up the stairs before you reach that area where you have to make the turn. And because of how bulky and big your body is, you don't make the turn that well. You slow down and Maya's body slips from the side onto the wood of the stairs. Is someone else going to grab her? Sylvie would try to catch her. Sylvie's not terribly strong, so I guess we could see. What's your strength? I have a plus one. Give me an athletics check. And remember, you're next to Kalina, so you add a d4. Oh, well, turns out I didn't need the d4. I I rolled a 17 plus three, so 20. You reach out, grabbing Maya's body and staggering a bit as you are able to catch her. If you want, you can try to sling her back over Alice, or you can carry her yourself. I think she's probably gonna try and put Maya's body back onto Alice. You sling Maya back onto Alice, and Alice charges up the stairs into the kitchen. As you move, Sylvie, you quickly try to get in front of Alice so that you can open the doors that he is going to run into otherwise. Charging through the house, you first attempt to exit from the kitchen door. But as you throw it open, you see the ground in front give way, collapsing back and falling towards the sea. You only barely manage to pull yourself back and slam the door closed so that you yourself are not pushed by your companions behind you into the depths. 
you spin, rushing through the butler's pantry. You have three exits before you. You can go out the dining room, you can go through the arch and down the service hallway to the foyer, or you can duck out into the ballroom. Ballroom out the window? I feel like the ballroom's a big open space, so I think Sylvie would want to go towards the ballroom. Plates and platters crash to the floor as great quakes shake the house. You throw the door open to the ballroom and you dart out into it, charging towards the windows at the far end. The floors, they splinter, and as they do, the sound of the harpsichord plays in the background. You blindly charge down this room, chandeliers falling from the ceiling above, crashing this way and that, smashing and sending, shards flying. You hurl yourself forward, propelling yourself and smashing through the windows at the far end of the ballroom. Alice, I assume you are leading the way once we get into the ballroom? Aye, aye, Captain. You will take six piercing damage as you smash your way through, but it is worth it. You hurl yourself, propelling yourself through these windows, each of you following behind Alice and rolling across the ground. You barely try to claw yourself up to move more, to get farther away. But you are too spent, exhausted. You land, sprawled on the ground, looking back towards the house. As you lay looking back towards the house, too tired to move, what goes through your minds? Kalina, why don't you start? She will take a glance to make sure, like, you know, Maya's... All of her friends are out and just kind of on and just take a dress to that every, oh, everyone made it out and then fall on the ground, just exhausted. Sylvie, as you look back exhausted, what goes through your mind? I think the first thing Sylvie would think is, oh, thank Ashen, we didn't die in those caves. And then, can Maya leave the house? I hope she's not stuck. Did we do it? Marcus. What goes through your mind? Uh, huffing and puffing. Marcus will just kind of say out loud, You know, I really did hate that house. So much. I hope everyone okay. This is my with, with us. Alice, what goes through your mind? Alice is brought back briefly to the feeling that he felt when he lost connection to the physical plane and felt Baghilda's hand on his back one last time, pushing him into the mirror that would be his prison for 800 years. And he gets this feeling because he is realizing how the reason for all of this coming down and crashing is because of the loss of magic fueling this necrotic source of 
darkness for so long. And he feels relieved, but he's also brought back to the pain of the loss that he experienced back then before, you know, being a horse smelling the grass and thinking, oh, this might be tasty. But that's what Alice is thinking. A deep sound reverberates up through the earth beneath you, and Caligos Manor cracks in half. A deep sound reverberates up through the earth beneath you, and Caligos Manor cracks in half, slawing off to either side as it and the promontory tumble into the ocean below. A monumental plume of dust and vapor rises into the sky, covering you in the fallout. As it begins to clear, the black-green stone lighthouse, identified by Alice as a sea guide, is all that stands of the promontory and Caligos Manor. It rises from the waves, the collapsed stone and shattered debris on a large circular pillar of black-green stone. As your breathing begins to steady, four hunks of stone begin to rise from the depths, rotating around the sea guide. The very air hums with the latent power built and released by Kagosa's failed ascension, power now drawn to the sea guide as it ignites. Flares of turquoise and azure light crackle to life, with energy dancing along the four stones, not clearly visible as slightly opaque crystals rotate around the tip of the tower. In their center, a small orb of light glimmers before a beam of pure turquoise light blasts out to sea, pointing towards the mist wall. Its purpose and consequences at this time, unknown. As the clouds above you begin to thin and lessen in the distance, the horizon lightens, a sliver of soul rising above it, illuminating the wreckage before you in a pale glow. You lay confused, for you saw the moons and dusk not long ago, and surely time could not have moved so swiftly. But perhaps, in your struggle, in Kagosa's temple, time had been distracted. But you do not think of that for long, for it is in the light that you think you see it. You think you see the house once more, the barest outline of it, a ghostly vision of it. And deep within your heart, deep within its heart, you see a familiar young woman sitting at a harpsichord. You see her fingers carefully playing across the keys not bloodied by them this time, but with joy, for Maya plays a haunting melody as the master and mistress of the manor dance in loops and whirls. Their expressions are ones of joy and of peace. As they dance, servants join them, and you see it, just for a moment. You see what this house could have been. You see what their lives could have meant. Had Kagosa not some gets depraved and monstrous influence into their lives. Beyond them, you see Stamanus standing, tears in his eyes that Quintal could not be saved, 
but peace etched into his very being. In the sitting room, two servants dance, a maid and a gardener. A maid with a mouse-like face, and a gardener wreathed in vines and flowers. As soul's light shines through them, the vision before you begins to waver, and with it, Maya vanishes. Maya You slowly close the covering over the keys. The keys your fingers have played across for a final time. And behind you, the spirits of the manor applaud quietly in thanks. Your gaze gently drifts across them, etching the faces of those you and your companions have helped into your memory until it comes to rest on a figure cloaked in folds of simple dark grey, homespun wool. Ashen, the god of death, has come to collect the souls robbed of their afterlife, souls you and your companions have finally freed. What do you feel, Maya? What are you thinking? What does Maya wish she had a chance to do or say? Oh, wow. I think Maya suddenly feels a lot more grief than she had expected. While we were surviving the cursed house and she was helping her friends, there were immediate problems calling for her attention, and now she's having to face the fact that it actually is all over, and she didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to everybody in the way that she would have wanted to. And I think she would feel very sad about that. But looking around her, seeing all of the souls that we have, that her and her friends have freed from this horrible, horrible house is also uplifting. So it's a bit, it's bittersweet. She feels very good about what the group has done, feels very happy that these people could finally move on. And, I don't know, I think it, she's just a big jumble of emotion. She's got the sorrow about leaving her friends and the, the, like, the satisfaction and the joy of a job well done. And, but also, maybe also a bit of a sense of calm and acceptance in that, as, you know, mentioned before, when Maya died, she feels like, okay, good, this is, this is what I was waiting for. Like, I've done what I was meant to do on Ibris. I've done what Cain asked of me, and I've been just continuing to live my life, not really knowing what my purpose is. So now, for her, it's like a confirmation that she she did what she needed to do, and yes, it is done. She feels kind of good about that. Ashen opens his cloak and welcomes each of Caligos Manor's denizens, one by one, into his embrace. You step towards his cloak, and from beneath it, you think you hear voices from your past. Your nursemaids, your tutors, your mentors, even the voice of Mila 
from the royal kitchens. Scents and sounds of a simpler time beckon you. But Ashen looks to you. And beneath the hood of his cloak, you see one of the many faces he chooses to wear. The face of an old man with weathered skin. And he smiles a crinkly smile that reaches up to his eyes before he closes his cloak and turns away from you, pulling the hood of his cloak slightly down in acknowledgement. The young master bid me to give you a message before I go. Hope. Hope is the foundation of all virtues. Crush a person's hope, and you will sever them from the source of all decency. Your work is not done. There are still enemies of hope. You must foster hope. You must guard it, feed it like a flame, and spread it. Your dynasty lies broken, but another can be raised. You are the hands charged to raise it. Let others see that light. Foster it. Foster them. Choose wisely. Now, I had best be going. I smell a home-cooked meal on the winds, and you never want to keep a goddess of vengeance waiting. In your mind, three images flash. A wild man's face, etched with age, wisdom, and hardship, yet one you find hauntingly familiar. A map of amaranth, crafted by hand from clay upon the ground in the form of a diorama, and an archaic crown of beaten gold that comes to ten slightly angled points, fitted with bone or teeth of shimmering crystalline nature and structure. The crown is inset with three precious gems that shine like stars, before they fly from the crown to crash down upon distant vistas. You awaken, gasping for breath, too exhausted to move, save for the tears streaming down your face. <sighs> Moya opens her eyes and looks around her, and I am sure everything feels incredibly surreal. What does she see? Quite close to you, Timaeus's chest rises and falls. Near your feet, Alice lays. Perhaps still in the form of a horse. Perhaps he's changed back. And his bulky form if he is still a horse, would block from view the rest of your companions. But if he is no longer a horse, you can likely see them scattered right at the edge of a cliff. No oh, one. Wow. And beyond it, simply tumbled space, crashing waves, and the towering Charged, lit, activated, sea guide 
Alice would deflate as a horse. He has, he has returned to his normal shape. Is everyone okay? Alice's ears perk up as he turns to look at the sound. Maya? I think I'm alright. Maya, are you... You're still here. Marcus would use every inch of strength that he had left to run towards Maya. Can I do like a roll or something? As you all lay there, as you hear Maya's voice, as you begin to react, are you all going to move towards Maya to try and hug her? To try and cling to her? I am crawling to a group hug. Yeah. Yes. Kalina would sit up, but not move towards the group. But look at it. So you can probably half prop yourself up. But you can't even really fully sit up. You can just raise yourself a bit. Okay, yeah, she'll do that just to confirm that Maya's indeed alive. And then just stay there. Marcus, you're the first to reach Maya. With a resounding thud. Marcus would give a big ol' bear hug and just say, You're alive. I told you we'd get you back. You were right. I should've... I should've listened. I... I would've missed you so much, Marcus. Would've missed you so much. And I are you, little one. When we... When we have more time, I would love to just sit with you and talk and so much has happened i know there's there's a lot going on on me right now but everyone come on quick she's she's with us again come on marcus would move aside for everyone alice you'll reach her alice will grab her and start crying he'll be like I'm so happy I don't have to talk to you through a spirit board or trap your soul in an object for my entertainment. Maya's probably crying, but also laughing a little bit at the same time. Oh, Alice, I... What's so funny? It's not funny at all. It's all true. I'm so... I'm glad too. I'm just... I'm also very, very, very glad that I have more time with you. Oh... I love you all so much. I can't believe that... I can't believe that we're all still together. Sylvie, you'll reach her. Maya, I... You're... I can't believe it. I mean, I knew... I, I told you, I knew we would... We would get you back. She's, like, sobbing while she's babbling. Oh, Maya would wrap her arms around her. Is also crying. How are you here? Oh, Sylvie, we have... So much to talk about. I saw Ashen, but he said it wasn't my time yet. I get more time with you. I knew it. I, I knew, I knew you were meant to still be with us. I, I, I don't know what we would do without you. Also, you saw Ashen. That's so cool. It was surreal and, and I, I hardly even know how to describe it. I'm I'm so glad I'm still here with you. I, Sylvie, you are such a ray of light and hope, and I I have so much to learn from you. No, Maya, you're. You teach me things every day. I I never knew anyone could be as 
as kind as you. Where's Kalina? Yeah, where where is Kalina? 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 Uh, I'm here. Uh, glad you're still with us. And I'm sorry, everyone, for everything in the first place. And she'll kind of just kind of sit there and just cry a little bit to herself, but look at everyone with a smile. Oh, Maya's not having any of that. She's going to crawl as, <laughs> however long it takes. <laughs> however slowly she has to do it, she will crawl over to Kalina. Dragging the other three. Yeah. Until eventually Maya gets to Kalina, and then whether Kalina wants it or not, Kalina's getting a hug. Kalina would have been the whole like, you guys just you don't have to just... Well, as you're crawling to her until she... You hug her and then she'll just go silent and just start crying. You have nothing to be sorry for, Kalina. You are the most amazing, faithful, stalwart friend anybody could ask for. There is nothing, nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> You're too nice <laughs> for your own good. You're too hard on yourself. Well, things haven't gone my way before, but I'm glad, I'm glad this, this happened. I'm glad you're still with us. Me too. And she'll like give Maya a big hug and like a like a sisterly hug and hug and just hold it there for a while and then let go before she lets go. You are all so wonderful and I am so glad that we have more time together. I mean, we would always have more time together. I would have put you in a jar, perhaps something transparent so we could see your spirit inside of it and I don't know, let you out at holidays or parties or such. And, and I mean, we would have more time. It wouldn't be like this, but. Oh, Alice. Cass, can I say that as I hugged everybody that I used my channel divinity? Go right ahead. So I am using the Balm of Peace and it can restore 2d6 plus 4 hit points to... Uh, several creatures. How many can I do? As an action, you can move up to your speed without provoking opportunity attacks, and when you move within five feet of any other creature during this action, uh, so up to however much 30 feet is. Considering that you had four people, including Timaeus, like right within five feet of you at the beginning, and Kalina was maybe at most 10 feet away from you, you you probably didn't even have to move to touch the first four and then crawl to her. Is it a dope, dope cleric feature, by the way? I did not know that one. Wow, that one's really good. It is really good. So everybody will get 10 hit points back. It did not roll very well, but it's something. It's better than the three I had. Oh my gosh. I'm better than five, five. You were at three. Oh my gosh, I had nine. I was feeling pretty okay, but... I have had three for, like, two rounds of that combat. Yeah, I was still at, like, 11. Yeah, I was really worried about you. Thank goodness you cast that spell that cut those things up. No kidding. Much hugging and crying is had by all. Except Timaeus, who I think is unconscious? Timaeus is unconscious. You continue to hug, to cry... To talk. And as time moves by, you will slowly begin to be able to move more 
get a bit more energy back, you realize that there was a toll taken by that house. You put a lot of yourself on the line. You put your very lives. Your very souls were at stake in there. And it is after a few hours. We can count this as a short rest if anyone would like to spend hit dice. That you guys find the strength to stand. Timaea sleeps softly. He is not woken up, but neither have you tried to wake him up yet. I think after everything Timaeus has been through, Maya would be inclined to let him sleep as much as we can until, probably until we need to start moving back to town. I'm also going to utilize my new mold earth cantrip and make the ground as we walk uh, more traversable. Hopefully speed up our process and make it more easy back to town. Before we leave the house, Cast, do I still have a lucky sword? Yep. Okay. Before we leave, Kalina, we'll go to... Or did you drop it on the ground? Well, we never established what happened once I got Serene and Tiair. Let's imagine that in some arcane fashion, the sword probably sheathed itself as the other two formed in your hand out of shadow. Okay. And do I have sheaths for Serene and Tyre, or is it just the swords? Just the swords. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. All right. Um, before we leave, Kalina will go to where the house was. She'll kind of do a prayer to Adressia um, for Aleki's sake, um, and also kind of do a prayer message to Aleki's, like, I apologize for my anger, that I had when I saw you. But you were a soldier once, and you deserve a soldier's death. And she'll unbuckle his sword, unsheath it, and then stab the sword in the ground, and then take the sheath and lay it horizontally, perpendicular to the sword, kind of like in a weird upside-down cross. And make sure the officer tassel hangs over the front, and then walk away after that. Sylvia and Marcus, are either of you going to do anything? As you prepare to leave. I think Sylvie's kind of stunned. She's just going to kind of sit and reflect on the fact that Maya's actually here with them. I did use a hit dice, so Sylvie's back to 26 HP, just in case you're tracking. Oh yeah, I used a couple of my hit dice and I'm at max now. Marcus will walk, if we're walking now, crawling, whatever form of transportation we're doing at the moment, to the sword that Kalina thrust into the ground. And he'll just kind of put his hand on it. And close his eyes. Just will say, May peace be with you to all in this land and this world. And he'll let go. And as he'll let go, the familiar energy will surge through his hands. And droplets of water will rise from the earth or from the grass. And form on the sword. And if you allow, it'll twist and perfect the sword turning it sort of into a a statue or a or what is the word I'm thinking of it's not a statue, a monument of sorts as the power you don't fully understand courses through it 
you'll see an almost thin sort of shell form over the sword. And then it is gone. But you have a deep sense that the sword will not rust. That it will not move. That it will remain here. To remember. It has been a few hours since dawn now. I just really quickly, when everyone's done with their monument there, I just want to write in burn speech after everyone's turned away in burn speech as a declaration of war. Fuck Kogosa. That's what I want written in the grass in front of where it is. The unpredictable burning spirals that make up burn speech will etch out a warning. You've all gathered enough of your strength that you think you can make the trek back. Are you guys going to carry an unconscious and asleep Timaeus, or are you going to wake him up? I think Maya will wake him up just so that we can maybe all get our stories straight before we get back to town. She doesn't want to march back and be like, Hi everybody, I died. We fought a cursed house. We freed some trapped souls. Nothing weird happened all in a day's work. Maya, that sounds perfectly normal to me. I don't know, Alice. I feel like... The less attention we draw to ourselves, the better. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to hide these and she'll point at the short swords that she has in her hands now. we got to find some way to smuggle those because I... There's no way the guards are going to let you keep that. Kalina, put them together. Kalina will put them together and, well, like, hold them together and kind of horizontally. It's like, like this? Alice, could you grow some vines around them or, or something that would make it look like we were just maybe bringing back some plants for weaving? I'll try. And I guess I'll pick up some grass seed off the ground and try to craft it over it. Give me an arcana check. That will be a 14 plus 6, so a dirty 20. Awesome. Now give me a nature check and have advantage for this. They're both really bad. It was a 6 and a 7. Oh, my nature's a 6, so that will st- it'll be a 13. You start to weave your spell together and you realize that you're missing a few things. And rather than this being something that you pull off really quickly, it takes you a little bit. You you gather a little bit of dirt here. You You gather a bit more seeds here, some little bits from there. And you use a combination of mold earth and druid craft to basically create almost like a... A bit of a, like a mound of clay over them that you then harden and shape around them and then you grow various plants off of it at the very end can it like not be working right exactly like it's just not there and then alice will think back to what uh, his witch of an employer did and he's just gonna like bite down on his tongue a little bit so there's just a little bit of blood and he's gonna spit at it and can that just like finish the whole thing they're coming in lopsided they're patchy it doesn't look you bite down on your tongue you get a little bit of blood a little bit of essence of alice and you spit that out and as it hits it as that 
essence of Alice strikes into it, it blooms. Verdantly, just grass spreads across it, flowers bloom out of it, things that are out of season are suddenly growing on it, so clearly it looks like something that you guys would be collecting, especially if you were prepping for getting on the boat. And there you have it. It is now about three or four times heavier than it was previously, but that's a price to be paid. Thank you, Alice. No problem. I know this is just what you wanted. I have a general question for you. If you're a magic user, can you um, can you detect people who can use magic? Wouldn't you already know that as a magic user? Market? Right, yeah, don't you have, you're like all magical now. Yeah, I, I know, I do the thing with my... Yeah, how long have you been hiding that? No, it literally happened within, I don't know how long, it. it it's a long... Insight check. <laughs> you may insight check me. May I? Oh, go right ahead, Marcus, you're not lying, so... Or are you lying in that you're not trying to give out the exact time of when it happened? I am completely unaware of when this started. I got a nine, so let me misinterpret. (laughs) Feel free to misinterpret that. Perhaps you're like, maybe he really doesn't know. Is he cognizant he used magic at all? Honestly, it it could have been within me this entire time, and I just, I don't, I haven't felt it, or... I mean, it was pretty wild, I was... I was saying words and like someone else's voice was came out and I tried to do that thing with the, the knife and I, I, I thought it was going to work, but I got a little carried away in the moment and uh, I have like acid armor. Did y'all see the acid armor? Yeah, that was so cool. I did see the acid armor. But like, it's not like, it's not coming from, it's not coming from me. How do you know that? Because that's a very profound statement for you to make of your newfound power. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to, how do you, I mean, how do you cast your spell and the thingies? How do you do what you do? How, how does it feel like to you? Years of torturous memories about my imprisonment with a witch who I read over her shoulder sometime. Okay, sorry I asked. But... No, I'm just being honest. I know you are. Am I being too much? No, it's... No, but I, it, it makes sense what Marcus is saying. When I, I prayed to Ashen and the magic wasn't really mine, I just borrowed it, if that makes sense. I mean, this is what I remember. We were at the tree, I dozed off, and I had this vision of a woman, and she's like, come to me, come to me. And I don't, I don't know what that means yet, but I started crying for whatever reason. I got really emotional, I was really tired, and then I could start shooting things with my hands. That's all I know. I am just so curious about this vision you had. Please, though, continue. Have you ever tried shooting things with your hands before that? No. Well, so maybe you could always do it. Okay, maybe I have a little when I was, you know, I was, I, you know, I seen everyone else do cool things, and I'd go pew 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 pew, you know, just trying to, this is not getting, <laughs> this is not getting us anywhere. My only concern... <laughs> My only concern is when we get into town and we start going up against people who don't want, you know, 
who want us to be dead or prisoners. Like, what if they can sense I can do things and they start asking questions about that and what, what happens then? And we deal with it. Or when Lashes decides to read our minds, he's going to know everything that happened here. Don't say that name. Let me handle him. I mean, we're going to be on a boat pretty soon anyway. Like, he's not coming with us, I don't think, so we just have to make it through the next time is weird. I don't know, some number of days. I don't, I'm going to be more specific. I'm sorry. I'm a little, I'm a little emotional right now. I don't know what day it is. I don't know how long we've been in that house, but... If it's anywhere before the 11th, I've got a meeting with the warden. And, like, what do I do? Marcus, this is not the time to worry about meetings with the warden. You are creating acid from your hands and seeing a woman in your visions, I mean. It was much more than that. I don't want to get into it right now. There was a, and there was a, lot, of, there was a lot to unpack. Well, it looks like we were only in there a couple of days. I mean, we saw this moon and the sun come up and we rested for one day. So, like, it's not been that long. It feels like it's been six years. As this conversation is going on, Maya, with the highest passive perception... Uh Uh-oh. As your companions are talking, can you give me a perception check? Because you're so close to your companions to see if you notice anything. Oh, I'm not worried. I'm not even remotely worried. I'm super unworried. That is a 25. As you've stood up, as your companions are talking back and forth, you glance. First, you're looking out to see a bit. And then you glance back down the path towards the trees. And beyond the trees, between them, you think that you make out a little bit of the coloring of perhaps some guard uniforms moving through the forest, heading your direction. Okay, everybody, it's it's time to start stop. Uh, sorry, it's time to stop talking about this. The guards are coming, and we need to uh, act natural. Look, the house is gone, and yes, yes. Uh, oh, we we'd gone. We'd gone looking for Timaeus. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we'd, we'd come looking for Timaeus because we hadn't seen him around. and we, We'd heard he's, he was sick, but he wasn't at home. And we found him here. We followed footsteps. His footsteps here. And we've set free a house of ghosts and freed them from the ancient god in the ground. Shh, no, 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 no. I don't think we should mention that. I think we should leave that out. Maybe we should not mention that. That's... Kalina will cross her arms like, you realize that monster tore our path through the forest that they're going to see. And what are we going to do about Timaeus? And she'll look at Timaeus. Is he up? And the house is gone. He's still unconscious. His clothing is mostly ripped. He is enough that he is modestly covered. And we need to wake him up and get him on the same page. Yeah, can Maya wake Timaeus? You think that you maybe have at most a minute before they're going to arrive. How are you going to wake Timaeus? This desperate times call for desperate measures. Wake up, buddy. (laughs) Slap him in the face. (laughs) Marcus deftly slaps him in the face and he will yelp awake and then blurrily start looking around at you going, I... It's okay. 
thought I had the strangest nightmare. You're okay now, you're safe. Yeah, I'm, yeah, us too, but... What's going on? We're near where the manor used to be, and the guards seem to be heading our way. Tell me now, do we want to hide from the guards, or do we not? There's no point in trying. They're gonna find us anyway. Timaeus, your nightmare was not a nightmare. I mean, well, it was a nightmare, but it also actually happened. Yes, that's well put. But it's okay, because Quintal's gone now, and you're all right. When you say Quintal... You see him visibly shudder and curl in on himself a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. He's gone. It was to... It, it was real? He's gone. He's gone. And whatever happened to me is it's not your fault. Mostly. No, it's not. It's not his fault. It's at least like 10% his fault. Guys, listen, you have no idea what it's like to be a taken over by a murderous monster. I don't either, but I... Kind of do, actually. Kind of do, but that's alright. Possession is very serious. I mean, I feel like I want to hear more about that later, but I think we gotta stick to the point at hand. Timaeus, you're safe. The monster's gone, and I think we've been gone from the colony a little while, and the guards are heading our way. Yeah, so we found you and saved you and everything is fine you see him basically looking at his hands and I should actually note he does have a little bit more clothing than just his guard uniform that's sort of torn and shredded in places uh, he also has the shark skin cloak that he was wearing. That's still on him. Clean is going to put the uh, clay bonnet down and walk over to Mason, lean down, and goes, Look, killing people is natural in certain times. You can't beat yourself up about it right now. But if you don't come up with a good excuse, they're going to throw the five of us probably in the furnace. So I would like a little bit of help to avoid that. He'll look to you and as you're calling on him to help you, you see a little bit of the old Timaeus come back into the way his demeanor is a bit. He'll sort of like shrug out of the cloak and leaning on Maya, he'll hand the cloak off, probably just like push it into Alice nearby. He'll lean over to Maya and say, Help me get closer so that I'm the first one they see. Okay, alright. Come with me. Alice, maybe throw that off the cliff or something. Alice, you can feel that there's some latent magic inside the object you're holding. There's some latent magic inside this object I'm holding. I don't think we should throw it off the cliff. Yeah, evil, creepy necromancer magic. It's kind of cool, though, but... Please, it titles, labels. We don't need labels here. Well, Did we not learn anything that just happened? I'll take it if nobody else wants it. Here, Sylvie, take this. <gasps> cool. Sort this out later. Maya is walking with Timaeus so that we... Basically walking forward to meet the guards. Maya familiar on my neck? Yes, your familiar is on your neck. Your familiar has been playing with the dagger... And 
probably went off hunting while you guys were resting for a bit, maybe came back with a mouse or two. It did not seem phased at all by everything you went through. I'm sure. I'm sure. I want to make it disguised as a fur that I wear on my neck, and I'm gonna have it keep the dagger kind of like curled up between its paws where it's like laying in on itself, if that makes sense, to hide it. And I'm gonna instruct it that if any like guards try and like search it and get to the dagger to like move it from like down its snake-like body in like different directions to try and hide it. It will drape itself over your shoulders like a stole. And as if it was always meant to frame you, will suddenly look as if it actually is just a flat fur. As if this creature was something that had been hunted. As if it was perfectly meant to frame you. Give me a stealth check for it. Okay. That will be a 15. And it will lay still, pretending. Sylvie, are you hiding the cloak, shoving it into a bag or something like that? Yeah, I... She'd probably, like, roughly fold it up and just kind of shove it anywhere that she can. I think probably, like, a small bag or whatever. You shove that away. Maya and Timaeus, you reach the guards. And Maya, you see a couple guards, but they are being led by a woman. Oh, no. Mariana Femia Soteriula, the Furnace Witch. Um. Oh, no. You see Timaeus visibly pale, and he is now sort of babbling. He can't seem to put together words. You're going to have to talk for him. Maya will just wait for her to come up to them and and say something. Alice will make sure that he's in her vision as well. Since none of you are hiding... As she comes up closer, you'll see her. She barks a few orders to a couple of the guards to begin looking around. And she motions to the your group and she'll crook a finger towards you, Maya and Timaeus. As if beckoning you towards her while she sends the others to search your companions. Mm-hmm. And what do we have here? What are you doing here? What did you do? Us? We we didn't do anything. We were looking for Timaeus. We, we heard that he was sick and I wanted to bring him some soup, but he wasn't at home, so my friends agreed to help me look for him. And in the process of looking for him, you collapsed an entire cliff? destroyed a structure and did that and she points to the sea guide illuminated you know we don't have the power to do that if we did you would have bound our magic ooh good one give me a persuasion check oh gosh If only I were still a ghost, because then my charisma was higher. Okay, not not horrible. Let's not panic yet. Persuasion. Okay, that's a that's a nineteen. 
you hit a good point with that. You gonna continue and say anything else? I think Maya's just kinda gonna follow her lead. She wants to say as little as she possibly can. She'll look to Timaeus. Is this true? He's really very ill. I think he might have wandered out here hallucinating. She'll reach out a hand towards his head and you can feel the heat radiating from her. And she puts her hand near his head. And you would not expect her to be able to tell the difference in temperatures with the amount of heat that radiates from her body, such as someone that focuses very deeply into various kinds of pyromancy and some more forms of magic that are akin to torture would. But you see this look come over her face a bit more kindly, a bit more motherly than you would expect. As she realizes that Timaeus is, in fact, burning up a fever. Timaeus will nod. He sort of bobs his head a bit as he nods, trying to say that, yes, this is true. Yes. And she'll take that. While this conversation is going on, can I please have a stealth check from Kalina, Marcus, and Sylvie for the objects that you have hidden as you are being searched? Marcus, in particular, I realize that Kalina has already hidden her swords, but I should have mentioned earlier that you do have the rapier and it is quite visible. Have you done anything in particular to hide it? It's safe to assume when the guards were coming, Marcus was doing everything in his power to not be noticed. Or change everything about him, whatever he has to do to make it so it doesn't... Yeah, everything possible not to be found. Okay, can I have a stealth check from Sylvie, from Kalina, and from Marcus? I got a 26. I got a 20. I also got a 20, a 16 plus 4. So you stow the rapier off to the side, probably in a bit under a log nearby that's rotting a bit. So it's easily somewhere that you can grab it, but also not super noticeable. And you probably wrap it in a cloak so that it looks like, and we'll probably add it to a bundle, so that maybe with a few sticks as you head back. You're also able to move the elk around your body so that they don't notice it as they are checking and patting you down. Sylvie, Kalina, all of you guys got very high stealth checks, and their perceptions were much lower. Each of you will successfully hide all of the various objects, Due to a mixture of experience and circumstance, you have each been through this kind of thing before, in the prison, and any time that you would leave a work site where they wanted to ensure nothing was taken. And they give an all-clear back to the furnace witch. And then they continue to look along, to survey along this edge, to note down the amount of damage that has happened here. And they will form up around you, and escort you back to town. What do you talk about on the way? Maya would probably ask her, will somebody be able to look after Timaeus? I'm, we're really worried about him. We look after our own. He will be cared for. 
Maya would probably just try to hold her attention with small talk about Timaeus, asking, can she bring him soup? Where will he be staying? Like, are there visiting hours? Trying to keep her occupied. You're trying to keep her occupied to keep her off of, say, getting close to Alice or Marcus, really? Yeah, or just like, I I don't know what anybody else is talking about, but I, wa- I would like to keep her attention. I mean, I'm sure the guards are listening as well, but she's the real danger in Maya's eyes. So we're going to first find out what the others are talking about or doing as you're heading back. And depending on what they're doing, I might get you to make a roll. Everyone else, what are you doing as you head back? Kalina just keeps eyeing all the guards and giving them like a ugly look, <laughs> but never saying anything. Sylvie's listing off herbs that you can give people for fever and like just trying to make small talk that doesn't really matter just to kind of distract people. Alice is going over all the information that he's gathered over the past hours and I want him to kind of think about what he knows about the history of like they had read a book on the uh, colonization of the area I just kind of want him to like dwell on that and kind of think on it uh, in silence. You still have that book. You still have the Vesakanai. That's right. Because I decided not to tear the pages out. Because <laughs> you were like, you could take the book. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I won't rip the pages out. Unfortunately, you don't have your copper pot anymore. I definitely probably put it down in the fight in the greenhouse. So no screaming pop, copper pot souvenir. Alas. That would have been interesting to explain. What is Marcus doing? Marcus is very awkward. At this moment, and he'll kind of lean into one of the guards. Say, "Hey, uh, I heard this rumor. Do you know anything about this rumor? I heard what rumor? I heard this rumor about uh about butter, but I really don't want to spread it. Nope, haven't heard that rumor. What is it? Uh, I don't really want to spread this butter rumor, but um, you're." How many moons does, uh, how many moons do we have in the sky? Do you know? Two. Two. Well, that's that's good. Um, you know, there's a man. There's moon people on the moon. Do you know how they cut their hair? You're starting to sound like old man Longstep. Just hear me out. This is, this is important. Do you know how the, the people on the moon cut their hair? No. They eclipse it. (laughs) He will burst out laughing and clap you on the shoulder. (laughs) And will just happily talk with you the rest of the walk back. You find out that it is the 10th of Altor. You were in that cave for four days. Out of character, I told y'all. Oh, good lord. Now you all know how it feels to not know how much time has passed outside of your own dwelling. It's sickening, isn't it? I'm excited Marcus hasn't missed his meeting. We don't have to worry about burying him before getting on the ship. But now we have to deal with the warden tomorrow. Marcus has to deal with the warden tomorrow. I'm so curious to know what Marcus has to say to her. Is he gonna go alone now? I thought that was always the plan. I'll go as like a mouse or something. Oh, I'm going alone. Oh, never mind. (laughs) <laughs> Sticky in my pocket. The only real 
burst of conversation or sound being the laughter of one of the guards, the furnace witch will look back, sending a scathing gaze, one that probably even ignites a little bit of the foliage around that garden. He yelps, but he will continue to talk with Marcus after he stamps it out. And you will head back. You find that the bridge is still broken, but that they have a a boat that they've shored up by it, which they use to ferry you across. And it's at about the middle of town that they let you go. There's nowhere for you to run, but they do tell you that the warden will have questions. The warden will want to know more about what happened. And they take Timaeus. What will you do? Go home? Well, I don't I don't know. That's just Maya's. Does everybody else also want to go home? I didn't mean to hijack the group. Oh, we are dragging ourselves home. Home sounds good. Yeah. Home sounds good. Yup. You each drag yourself home. You collapse into your living room, kitchen, dining room. It's all one space for you. The only other rooms are the bedrooms. And then you quickly go about making sure the animals are okay. They'd broken out of their paddock, gone and fed themselves at a neighbor's farm. Come back. They knew the drill. What would you like to do? Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Absolutely. You are now in the safety of your own home. Okay, so what I told her was that we heard Timaeus was sick. I wanted to bring him soup, but he wasn't home. And I got the rest of you to join me searching for him. And we found him where they found us. And that we think he was feverish and wandered there in his, you know, fevered hallucinations. That's what I said. What's the point in lying, though? I mean, I'm the first to try and deceive these people, but why are we trying to lie here? I mean, they knew there was this murderous beast. They were investigating the killings of it. And I'm sure that they were aware of the presence of this house with the skilled arcane users on their staff. Why are we lying? I mean, I don't think Timaeus is going to be able to hold out on questioning, especially if he's put in a furnace or into his worst nightmare. I agree with Alice. They knew this was going on. We're not going to be able to hide this from the warden, especially if Lashus is there. Do we know that the that they knew this was going on. They knew that there was some grisly murders happening, but did they know it was shark people? Do they know anything like that? They, for all they know, it could have been us. Right. Remember when we went to the guards that one time? It's been a wild six days. Can you give me a reminder? Well, about a couple of weeks ago when we went there after Vanessa got attacked or something. I think that's when it was. It was only a few days. Yeah, I think it was like a week ago. Yeah, well, I asked the 
when they were questioning us, I asked about Timaeus and what they were doing about it. And Michelo, I asked him what they were doing, how long it's been going on and what they're doing about Timaeus. And he looked like he wanted to say something, but when he looked at the other guards, he didn't say anything. They definitely knew something was going on. And also, if we lie to the warden with this story, we're all not going to have a fun time. We're getting shipped off anyway. It's not like we're trying to, like, not burn bridges or anything. They're sending us to the colony to, like, that will be out of their hair, so... She can put us in the furnace until then. It's true. Do we know when the ship's leaving? I don't think I've ever given you an exact date. You just knew that it would be a few weeks out from the beginning of the campaign. Yeah, I think that's true. And none of you asked the guards. It's true. Remember when we thought this would be downtime? Like, for us to, like, figure skills out? Like, we're the of weeks of downtime. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I feel like... feel like nothing good comes out of telling them the truth. Worse, they don't believe us, and they blame us for... Whatever they think we did to make half the island collapse. Or... I mean, I guess even somebody gets curious and goes down to visit that stupid old god and this happens all again? Or maybe they were containing it. We don't know. I mean, this colony's been here for a while. So, seems like a strange place to have a colony. At least, in my mind, like, what's the point of this? I mean, what if they know about this? Caduceus or Caduceus or... What's the what's the thing's name again? Kugosa? Kugosa. Kugosa, right. Thank you. <clears throat> what if you know about Kugosa? And they put all these guards on here to keep it contained. Well, on that note, do you remember the name of the fighter who beat Kalina in the first round of the competition? At that, at the hatchet, at the friendly hatchet. It's not the friendly hatchet. I think that's the name, actually. Or the reliable hatchet. I forget. One of those two. We call that the dirty hatch, right? Remember? Called the dirty hatch. It's kind of our secret name. Right, right. Right, our secret name. Clean all is the name. The familiar hatchet? Yes, the familiar hatchet. Friendly and reliable. What Alice is about to say, his name was Castor Nestor, but his title meant to invoke fear into people based off the local legend was the Kugosa. Oh. Land. Well, Aleki was a towering soldier, high ranking from the tassel on a sword, but he didn't seem to know about it. Not until it captured him, anyway. I know that they originally tried to find the colony just as a regular colony, think just to take land for themselves but then that originally colony disappeared i don't know that much else about it i just that's what i've heard at least so i think if they were trying to keep it contained they wouldn't put the prison here because he feeds on misery oh yeah that's right i can't think of a more miserable thing to put here that's a good point that sea guide there I mean there's no chance that it would be there and like they wouldn't know especially if the house was built around it and they commissioned the city planning 
Well, I've never heard of anything about it while I was in serving in the army, but Tauron's always been a conquering nation anyway. I mean, sorry, Cass. We've never heard of like any other established colony, right? This is the only established colony that Talrin has, unless you count the Protectorate of Amaranth, which they invaded and annexed 12 years ago. More of an offshore one, guess, technically, would be more what I was looking for. This is the only offshore. The other islands to the north are all claimed by other kingdoms. Okay. Want to make sure. Uh, the other thing that I will make sure just to remind... Alice is that the Sea Guide is an Iltharan construction. So we're talking over a thousand years old, probably. And the book that you read, it mentioned that in the year 837 PR is when Merstwall was discovered. Alice knows that, but Alice is not sharing that with anyone. Well, if Washus isn't there, then we can try and Play this story off, but if Lashus is there, I'm not lying. I'm not. We can't get thrown in the furnace. At least they can't. I don't want to get thrown in the furnace until we're forced to leave. I understand if Lashus isn't there that we feel a little bit more comfortable, but I do want to remind everyone that this the warden keeps a a arcane user who is incredible at deception and lies under her thumb. So imagine how good she is. I still agree with Alice. We can try and lie. And if we agree to lie, I will do everything I can. But we have to pick one way or another, don't we? Yes, we definitely have to pick one way or another, I guess. My worry is this. The cursed house has been there for such a long time. Quintal managed to wipe out the whole original colony. And... You know, the murders have happened before, They're, they were happening now, nobody seemed to be able to stop it, and then we just sort of waltz in, and in a matter of days we, you know, kill, kill the shark monster, collapse the whole house, uh, light the the sea guide, and I mean, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but I just think that if the warden thinks that we were able to do all those things, she will see us as more of a threat. Why not an asset if she's sending us on this mission and the job is for the colony to do well? Why would she not see us as an asset, especially if we're not going to be within, you know, 100,000 miles from her? Or however, however, whatever we use for distance measuring here. And she'll want that colony to succeed. I mean, just think about it. It'll be the first actual colony to succeed. And it's through the mist wall, which is not unheard of. Just think what that would do to her reputation. I hear what you're saying, but if she was really concerned about the success of the colony, she wouldn't send somebody like Vanessa, or even us for that matter. There are more powerful magic users in the colony who have their powers bound. Why not send them and unbind them when they arrive in Atsakan? When you want to go into an unknown territory... You don't send your best first. You send the pawns first. I've seen that tactic many times in Orskoral. Then do you want to be considered valuable and forced to stay? (laughs) Hardly. Not under her thumb. I just don't know. I feel like the best approach to her has always been to be as insignificant and unnoticeable as possible. 
but but I also see what you're saying about the lie. You know, it, it would be easy to be caught in it, especially if she has Lasha's radar minds. Or break Timaeus. That too. I mean, I guess compounding a lie with a lie may be a bad idea, but if our lie doesn't work, I think it's fairly reasonable to say we just think that it was a very believable story. The cursed house trapped souls meeting Ashen. I mean, and all the proof is in the ocean. And our minds. I suppose that's true. The activation of the device up there as well is very difficult to cover up. They don't know that we had anything to do with it until we tell them. You were found next to it, exhausted. Yeah, I don't know that they'll believe us if we say we didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, the furnace witch seemed to believe me when I said it wasn't us. We can have a happy medium here, which is just play dumb. We can just be really dumb. And we bumped into it and it went on, you know, something like that. And then we just woke up and I don't know. Like tell a little white lie, like just twist it a little bit. I don't know. I honestly don't know what the right thing to do is. Maybe we should sleep on it. Sleep on it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And lean up a bit. Maya really carefully does not suggest a bath. Oh, is Marcus going to be afraid of his bed now? I will be sleeping with no blankets for the rest of my life. <laughs> I've been giving a great deal of thought to how Maya is going to manage to bathe. My God, that's like really traumatic for Maya now. Yeah. This whole house has just destroyed us as people in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. But we all, but we're so much stronger and we've got cool powers that we didn't even know we could, we had before. And I mean, also Maya died, which was really awful. So I almost died like twice. That's, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And we got a new pet. Not really. I mean, I can't count how many times I've almost died in Orskoro against the elves. This is, I don't know, but I thought those times were... Not those times were behind me. Marcus's face would just kind of gloss over a little bit. Sorry, didn't mean to bring it up. I think I'm just tired. And I don't know. But I think I'm going to go sleep. Or try to sleep. So. I think that sounds wonderful. Yeah, hopefully no more nightmares. Hopefully. I don't know. Nightmares uh, always make you happier when you wake up the next day. So, happy nightmares, everyone. <laughs> and with that, you will each retire to bed. Marcus, probably asking someone else to remove the blankets from his bed before he lays down on it. Or perhaps just reaching out with the tip of the rapier and flicking them off. Before we close off, where are each of you going to store the magic items you've collected? Kalina would take the time to take the actual herbs off 
and then like break the molding around the swords and then hide the swords under her pillow. Lena, I can just I'll just wave my hand and it all goes away. Well, we could have used those. Right? Right, Sophie? I mean, we could always use more herbs, but I, I do have a lot of them. Oh, makes it easier. And then she'll like blatantly slam down the clay pot thing in the middle of the room without thinking. She's like, and after she smashes, like, oh, I probably should have done this outside, huh? I'll clean it up in the morning. I think Sylvie would leave the cloak and her little figurine just in, like, whatever little bag she put it in. And just, like, stuff it in with the rest of her, like, clothes and stuff. It's probably not super well hidden. It's mixed in there. You'd have to really dig through everything to find everything. Also, Clayton would just keep the wolf in the pocket of her tunic. Marcus will put his elk friend... By his bed. Maya's gonna tuck hers into one of the... Oh no, the boxes are in the boys' room. She'll probably just put it in her bag. Alice. Alice. Unfortunately, you don't get a choice of where it's going to go because your familiar takes both the figurine of the sheep and the dagger and hides itself up in the corner in the rafters building itself a little nest. <laughs> a, a treasure ward uh, for a dragon. Mm-hmm. And it wraps itself around them, framing. I will also direct it to keep watch and to telepathically alert me if anyone is amiss uh, about the house. And with that, you'll go to bed. In the familiar, up in the rafters, the house... He will watch. We'll watch as the coals, the fire, burn low. As they reflect into its eyes. Eyes so dark. And you will dream. Dreams that are of half-formed shapes. Of ideas. Of instances that you are grappling with. And that is where we will end tonight's session. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Great, it's my turn. And I fell asleep last time, so I am experiencing this for the first time. That's what's happening right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It was a super cool anime moment, and he rolled a one. No. No. Lady Luck was like, nope. I understood the assignment. Uh. Use the false loop.
Yes, I will use the force. Um, <laughs> Let's take our break there. No. <laughs> no. How dare you, sir? Are you are rude. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen. Okay. My heart. Oh. Or you could just tell us what's happening and... Right. Right. Would you like me to read the next scene? Or would you like to go get candy and chocolate and cry? <laughs> Either option works for me. I mean, I already have the chocolate and the Kleenex on standby. I'm about to go hit this bar in a second. Not to alarm anyone, but what Cass said to me as we came back from break was, are you ready to meet Ashen? So, brace yourselves. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Sylvie's very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Also, spoilers much. I don't understand what's happening while I'm body. I wonder what the record is for a rogue not rolling a stuff roll in a campaign. I want to know what that is, because it's... <laughs> 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 what session are we on? We've been doing this for a few months now. I haven't rolled it once. 18. This is session 18, and this is the first stealth check that I think you've done. So It's 100% the first one. So That's hilarious and wonderful all at once. We, we don't... We don't abide by class norms here. We do what we want. I feel like there was one instance when Marcus wanted to stealth something and everybody else just went barging. It was definitely the house. I was like, can I stealth the house? It was like Hergus's house. Well, anyway. 26. 